Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyerup904.com. Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans. Uh, it's only going to make us better moving forward, and that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here, and we just kept believing, and it was really cool, really cool to be a part of, and, and it was special, and like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April, and I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this this year, obviously, was huge for, for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward, and, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward. And and that's the mindset, and, the, and we won't settle for less than that. And this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us. So we'll be back. This boy got a hit. Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Check the tape Tuesday edition with Jeff Lagerman as we put a bow on the. 2022 Jaguars season today. Good morning, Tony Smith. Good morning. Jeff, how are you? Good. Good morning. E.T.? Yeah. All right. Everybody is uh, all present and accounted for. Um, Logs, let me just jump in with this one um, right off the bat because it's been on my mind for okay. a couple days, right? You know, there's a guy emerging on the scene over the last, I don't know, seven plus years by the name of Travis Kelsey who's the best tight end in football. Yeah, he's pretty good. Might we want to cover him the next time <laughs> the Jags and the Kansas City Chiefs play against each other? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, you know, the, the one thing about that game, I mean, you look back on it and you go, you know, it would, would have been nicer if you had done a better job against him. Now, they played a lot of man on him, which is, uh, which is no surprise. I mean, you got to play man to part of, to part of the success of uh, and how you can beat Patrick Mahomes is find a way to pressure him. But part of that man coverage, you've got to be able to, I think, sometimes maybe lean a guy over there and double him and, yeah. and didn't see it. You know, and Rayshon oh. Jenkins was the guy that covered him the most. And actually, Rayshon did a pretty good job. You know, and there were some instances where some other guys had to cover him, and that's where he got out. But where Travis Kelsey really hurt him was against the, the zone. And I just thought that there was not a great awareness about where Kelsey is. Agreed. When they were playing zone. And look, the reality is, is that when you play zone, you can't go cover a blade of grass. You got to cover a guy that is in your area and you have to anticipate. And that's, that's something that I think is, was a little bit of an issue all season long for this defense to where they played zone and they weren't doing a very good job about dealing with the routes and matching the guys in the zone or adjusting with different concepts with that zone. And that's something that they've got to work on next year, without a doubt. Well, I thought the second Kelsey touchdown, the short one from Henny, 
mm-hmm. there on that drive that it looked to me a problem that we've talked about a lot over the course of the season, the defense just not being able to communicate where everyone needed to be. Yeah, they're kind of late lining up on that one. Yeah, and it and, looked and, like they wanted to double maybe Kelsey on that play, but not, yeah, nobody was, <laughs> got wide enough to even have a chance on well, that Well, if play. you're trying to double them, you know, because I, I know what you're saying. When you look at that play, you've got uh, – there's another receiver over there with Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey is on the inside receiver, and he kind of delay releases. And you have Chad Mumble right on top of him, and Chad definitely has him. And Trey Herndon is there as well. The question is, is Trey there to help double? You know, you, if sure. Trey's there to help double, then you got to have somebody that's prepared for, you know, the, the basically the rub, which is the outside guy running in and then Travis Kelsey working out to the flat, and there was no preparedness for that. There was no anticipation of that, and that's something that is really elementary. I mean, that's something that you've got to be able to execute very easily, and you have to anticipate that, and that's something that was not anticipated, and then that play was disappointing. You know, there there was a lot of things that were, you know, you wish you had a do-over, you know, in this ballgame. You know, you wish that, you know, before the half when you were driving down there and instead of a field goal, I think it was, or whatever, that you scored, you know, and, and brought this game even closer, yeah. you know. And obviously later on in the game, some of the opportunities there with drops, you wish you made some of those plays. But the one thing I think that's been consistent is that this, this, this offense we feel really good about. When I say we, the fan base, you know, they got great coaches, got a great young quarterback. And you got to add some pieces to that puzzle to make it better, but defensively, you need to you need to need to adjust and make sure you settle your scheme, and you need to get more awareness as a defense. I think as a whole, because you know when you go back to that stretch in the middle of the season, that was difficult. The defense was poor, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, poor, got worse. You know, in the beginning of the year, did well, got poor in that stretch. And really what saved this defense, and I think this football team, is that the defense started making some great opportunistic plays. Okay, now you're not going to get 27, 28 turnovers or takeaways every year. Right. It's just not going to happen. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Mm-hmm. So now you need to be able to make the next step that, look, hey, look, how can we perform as a defense if we don't get 27, 28 takeaways and protect the ball as well as we did? Well, how do you – increase overall awareness on defense? Well, I think you have to have, number one, better coaching, and number two, better players. And that's what it comes down to. There's a responsibility to cross both fronts. And so you have to do better from a personnel standpoint. You have to do better from a coaching standpoint. And whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes, whether you need to you know, adjust some, some stuff on your staff to make the messages be able to be heard better, and I'm not saying I'm not being I want to make sure I'm very clear here. I'm not saying that the Jaguars need to adjust their staff and fire Mike Caldwell or anything like that. I think Mike Caldwell is a good coach, and it's his first year as a defensive coordinator. And I think that there's going to be big steps that he will take in year two. And I think the players have a great level of respect for him. I've got great level of respect for Mike, but I think also part of that is that you know, okay, he needs to grow into year two. The players need to grow in year two in that system as well and make significant steps. Why was Aluakin so slow to react on the first touchdown to Travis Kelsey? Because Josh Allen checks him at the line, and then it looks like he's playing man against McKinnon coming out of the backfield on that play, and Aluakin didn't move. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a zone, and uh, essentially it's like a half roll. Okay, It's not a true bootleg. It's like a half roll. 
And so when Patrick Mahomes rolls out of the pocket to his right, mm-hmm. Kelsey's staying in in protection. And so you have a zone concept where you have Foye Luokan on inside linebacker to that side, and then you have another inside linebacker behind him, which is Devin Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And so when Patrick Mahomes does this little half roll, you know, half roll is for people that don't understand. A bootleg is he's running, sprinting out of the pocket, on the run, trying to get outside the edge guy of the defensive end. Okay, a half roll is is that he's not really trying to sprint out out of the pocket. He's almost setting up where the tackle tight end was aligned from the get go. And so when Patrick comes out and does this half roll, he's looking to the to the flat for the quick throw. It wasn't there. Well, Travis Kelsey is in protection, and then if he's essentially the second read. So if nothing's there for Patrick Mahomes in the flat, then Travis makes sure that, Tra- that Patrick Mahomes is protected initially, and then he releases back to the inside. And Patrick, because it's a half roll and not a true bootleg, it's an easier throw back into the middle of the field for Patrick Mahomes. And there was no awareness whatsoever by either linebacker about Travis Kelsey on that play, which was disappointing. That goes back to what Mm -hmm. I talked about, and that you've got to start having a higher level of awareness when you're playing zone about what you could see and anticipate some things because I can tell you one thing, that's the guy you should have been anticipating in that situation is Travis Kelsey. In in most situations, but particularly down in the red zone. Yeah, because he's 12 touchdowns. Tony just mentioned, you know, Josh Allen kind of chipping him on that play a little bit. Did You know, a lot of people have suggested over the last few days they should have been blasting Kelsey every time, you know, he came off the ball. And I, did they try to do some of that? Did they, were they just ineffective doing that? Did they not do enough of that? You know what I well, mean? Just trying to disrupt his routes. Well, and, and I get it, but that's, that's hard to do because Kelsey's not like a true tight end where he lines up, you know, on the line of scrimmage right. where a defensive end is going to be a lot of times. You know, Travis is, a, is off the ball. He split out wider. You know, it's, it's a difficult task, but – uh, the one thing that you can do, and coaches have done it before, is that you can lean coverage his way. You know, you can have a, you know, like for example, if you got a two deep safety instead of the one safety really playing a, a deep half of the field, you know, you can cheat a safety over or have like a robber or a spy guy that kind of, you know, when you, if, if you've seen like a um, man coverage where you have two guys, one in deep center field, and then you also have what I call a robber who's kind of short area of the field. And then that guy can kind of cheat to whichever way that he wants to go. You can kind of lean a guy towards Travis Kelsey. And, you know, didn't see that in that game. And, and it was disappointing that didn't see some of that. But, you know, I, like I said before, I give credit to Rayshon Jenkins because he did a pretty good job against him for the most part. But, again, it's that zone stuff, I thought, that really – and Travis just excels in that. You know, he's just one of the best in – in arguably right now, the best in the league at tight end right now and arguably – the best tight end maybe ever. And the man's had seven – when I say seven years, it's that's when he started having 1,000-yard seasons. Yeah. He had a couple of high 800-yard seasons before that. Crazy the guy, good. The guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going to put no up doubt. No absurd doubt. numbers by the time it's all said and done. But he didn't have 14 catches in any game this year until Saturday. So, I mean – Well, tight end's been an issue for the Jaguars this year, and that's not something that's all of a sudden just cropped up in the last right, game. You know, right. the, the Jaguars' defense had given up more receiving yards to tight ends than any other team in the National Football League. And part of that reason is, is that they play a division that doesn't have, I guess you could say, a, a whole lot of talent that uh, in the passing game. And sometimes that tight end is kind of the security blanket when you're not a 
a great passing team, and and the Tennessee Titans obviously are very tight and heavy, you know. So that's part of the reason, but still, uh, you got to be better. Yeah, I mean, they had like, uh, didn't Jelani Woods have a big game against them for the Colts, if I'm not mistaken, and like. Didn't have too many of those throughout the course of the season. I may be remembering wrong, but anyway. Um, yeah, but I can tell you the, the number, because I, I wrote it actually down before the game, the, the number for yards that they allowed by the tight end was 1,235 yards in the season. And that was the most by, by any team in the National Football League. You know, and, and again, Travis Kelsey, like you said, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's not showing any signs of slowing down. And what did he end up having in that game? Two touchdowns. I mean, so mm-hmm. now he's he's got like uh, over I think fourteen hundred yards in the playoffs in his career, and now has fourteen touchdowns. I mean, that's a pretty impressive ratio. Every hundred yards, he's got a touchdown in his postseason career. Oh, he's he, again, he's fantastic. By the Woods didn't have a monster game, but he did score a touchdown. He only had three on the whole year, and one of them came against Jacksonville. The other two, by the way, came against Kansas City. Uh, very early in the season. All right, the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, as it is every Tuesday, just simply asking you, what are your Jaguars questions for Jeff Logman? For the last Check the Tape Tuesday for the season here on Jaguars today, we invite you to get in on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures at 641-1010. Hit us up on Twitter, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs 56, and at IME2, the... Come on, somebody. Come on, everybody, and let us know what your questions are for Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday just getting underway. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Lagerman, brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, so Check the Tape Tuesday. Looking back at the Jags' defeat to the Kansas City Chiefs and the season as a whole and what they need to do to improve this offseason with Jeff Lagerman here on Jaguars today. Uh, Logs, we were talking in the break about pressure and the Jags not getting enough of it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time they played Kansas City this year, they didn't blitz much at all. Uh, it seemed like, listening to the broadcast, you know, because we're, we're listening and, and we're sitting there and we're like nine, ten seconds behind, right, we, what we're going to see. So we're listening, we're hearing Frank go, it's a blitz, it's an all-out blitz, it's a whatever blitz. And yet, I mean, early on they got pressure on Mahomes, Mm-hmm. When when his ankle felt good, they had him dancing all over the place. It seemed like once he departed the game, the Jags rarely got pressure on the Kansas City quarterback, even when he came back in. Yeah, the early in the game, I, I thought the Jaguars did a really good job of winning. And when Patrick Mahomes got hurt, Chad Henney goes in, all of a sudden, I was kind of surprised. I thought they might bring a little bit of – Pressure against Chad Henney, but they really chose like to stay, stay back. Yeah, yeah, and uh, which, uh, and then later on when Patrick Mahomes came back in, they started bringing some pressure against him. But it, for the most part, I give credit to the Kansas City's offensive line. They did a marvelous job. Uh, in fact, uh, after the game, I texted their offensive line coach Andy Heck and said, "Look, man, uh, your guys did a great job because when." When their quarterback got hurt or they had a backup in the game, I think that they significantly raised their level of play up front. And that's a really good offensive line from guard to guard. Tackles are okay. Right tackle is a pretty good player. 
left tackles, you know, is sufficient in, uh, in Brown. But they really raise their level of play in all aspects, in the running game, in pass protection. And the one area that you felt like, okay, maybe we can make something happen was on the edges. But Kansas City did a did a really good job there. I thought that uh, they negated Trayvon Walker. They did a good job of negating Josh Allen. And that was an area that I thought that they might be able to make some hay at. The inside, you knew it was going to be tough sledding because uh, Tooney and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, which are the center and the two guards, are tremendous players. Mm-hmm. And, and Creed Humphrey is absolute stud. I mean, absolute stud. And Trey Smith in the running game was an absolute stud in that game. I could show you a couple of plays that just ragdolling guys. I mean, just ragdolling them. And I think the running game, the effectiveness of the running game, really helped to take the pressure off of, of a quarterback who's kind of hobbled and also a backup quarterback. I mean, look at the stats. I mean, stats are kind of self-explanatory in that category. Kansas City really did a good job, and I think they really controlled the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball. And, look, we've seen the last month of the season, Roy Robertson-Harris has been really good playing from the inside, and Devon Hamilton's been better, you know, over the last month of the season. Arden Key is a good inside rusher, right? Like, they've moved Trayvon Walker around a little bit. But, as you said, that Kansas City, the interior is where the strength of that group is, and they're good enough on the edges that if they can neutralize that interior rush, which is where the pass rush has really been coming from for this team here in the last month when it feels like it's been surging uh, going through the playoffs in the game against the Chargers, if they neutralize those guys on the inside, then we're back to where they were six weeks ago, which was where's the pass rush, and that's what happened Saturday. Yeah, Kansas City won that battle. I mean, clearly won that battle. You know, on the flip side of that, you know, the other side – the other battle, the Jaguars' offensive line against Kansas City's defensive line, I thought the Jaguars did a much better job than the first matchup. In the first matchup, Chris Jones was an absolute wrecking machine. And I thought that Shatley and also Sheriff did a good job against him. Now, there were times that Chris you know, Jones won. But, I mean, the guy's a stud. He's arguably the best defensive tackle in the league. So there were a couple times that he won. But they were much better in this game. Put it, put it this way. Sheriff and Shatley and Fortner, I thought, played well enough for the most part that that was a, good enough to win with. You, know, you wish the one time where they turned loose the uh, defensive tackle, Colin, what's his last name, Colin, uh, whatever his name is, they turned him loose because you had Shatley and Fortner on him, and all of a sudden they both kind of assume that the other guy is going to block them, and they end up turning loose Colin Saunders. And that's the one where he hit Trevor in the face, and it should have been a, a – had blow illegal contact, roughing the passer, but they didn't call it. But I thought the offensive line did a good enough job to win this game. I don't think that they were any reason as far as, okay, well, they didn't play good enough to give this team an opportunity to win. All right, back on the pass rush here for a minute, because I think a lot of people think this is the biggest pressing need for this football team, right? You've got It's one of them. You got Smoot, who is a free agent, and he's coming off injury, and Arden Key's a free agent. Josh Allen had seven sacks. Trayvon Walker had three and a half, and I get it. He's a rookie and all that, but, I mean, this is who you've invested in to be an impact player on your defense. Um, you say it's one of them. I mean, how how much do they need a guy that could potentially top the depth chart at that and make Josh Allen your number two pass rusher and therefore make everybody that much more effective? Well, I think that uh, you definitely need a, a pass rusher. I mean, right now Trayvon's still heading quite – advanced to where you say, okay, 
we feel like that this guy can rush the passer consistently. You know, they what's might the have, best utilization of him? Did they use him? I, well, I've always felt best? you know when I when I watched the film on him around draft time, I thought his best position would be a left end and a four three. I, I just, okay. I mean, it's you know big, strong kind of guy that can you know can give you seven, eight, you know, nine sacks a year type of player, and uh, be really strong against the run. And and I still feel that way. I still feel that he's a left defensive end and a four three. And this defense, though, you need to find somebody that can rush the passer from the inside consistently because what you're having to do is you're taking defensive ends and kicking them down inside to try to find some pass rush inside. You know, you're taking Smoot, moving them inside. Mm-hmm. You're taking Arden Key, you're moving them inside. When their best positions are probably on the outside. You know, you'd like to find, and of course everybody would like to find the next Chris Jones on the inside, you know, but if you can find a guy that can impact the game on the inside like that, it would make make everybody else significantly better. If you were running the defense with what you've got right now and knowing you're going to have to, you know, you're probably going to lose a few guys, but uh, do you think they're better suited to play a 3-4 or a 4-3? Well, I think you can do both. I think, And I think you have to do both in the league nowadays because if if you can't do both, if you can't be – uh, multiple defensively, sometimes it's easier for coordinators to get a beat on what you're trying to accomplish. So I think you have to do both, but there are ways that you can slant it to, you know, well, where you're playing more 4-3 or more 3-4, you know. So, and then you can also play, when you do play 3-4, you can play a 3-4 that's more along the lines of playing, okay, a true 4-3. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's a – the one thing I think you definitely need to do is that you need to get better personnel-wise defensively and – and look, uh, the reality is you can't fix everything in one year. And, you know, when you come in and you've got, you know, general manager and essentially his second year, but really his first year of operating without having the con, so to speak, because Urban Meyer had the con last year. And then you have a head coach coming in now. Okay, now you have two guys that are going to be working together as they did this past year and Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. Okay, so you hope that you can now make another step in, in making better acquisitions in the draft. I mean, because that's the lifeblood of any franchise. You've heard me say that many times right here on the show. And that is truly the lifeblood of any franchise is the draft. And you've got to find a way to get players that have an impact. And that's not easy to do because the draft is a percentage game. And you're not going to hit on everybody. But you've got to maximize those hits. Well, one of the guys they drafted in the top 10, Josh Allen, in 2019, has been their best pass rusher, but Still not an elite guy. He's under the fifth-year option for 2023 where he'll earn close to $11 million with this team. It, what what would your approach be with Josh Allen? Let him play it out for a while, try to get an extension that would lower that cap figure for maybe this year and next year a little bit? I, how would you go about uh, handling him? Well, it's a great question, and you know, a lot of it depends on what the parties want. You know, I mean, yeah, I'd love to be able to lock Josh up for a four-year deal, you know, to minimize the cap hit this year, to lower it a little bit because you are going to have to make some decisions this year. Um, but the cap is expected to go up significantly this year. So, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of leeway there and flexibility from that standpoint. But, yeah, you absolutely want to keep a guy like Josh Allen. You want to keep a guy like Juwan Taylor. You want to keep guys that you've raised, that you've drafted, get them in the second contracts because if you don't keep guys like that, then all you're doing is essentially creating another opening or another gap that you got to find a way to fill it. And that's kind of essentially treading water and sometimes 
you lose ground on, from that that standpoint. Sure, but at the, even with the cap expected to go up this year, the Jags are projected to be, you know, starting the league year off well over the cap, right? Now, they you can get under the cap, but, you know, to do that, you've got to move on from guys, and Shaq Griffin is one where you could save a lot of money, and I think everyone anticipates that'll be one of the moves they make, but, you know, you want to bring back Evan Ingram. He wants to be here. I think you want to bring back Jawan Taylor, like you talked about. I mean, is in your opinion, is there enough maneuverability to make these moves happen and still add some pieces from the outside of your team? Well, you hope so. You know, I mean, the, the one thing that you would like to be able to do is to be able to get these guys locked up to where they're, I don't want to say team-friendly deals, but they're reasonable, you know, and that's always the goal. I mean, you'd like to be able to get guys – at a fair price, and sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes guys want to go to free agency and test the market to really get an understanding of what their true worth is going to be. I mean, and that's that's business. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the players wanting to do that. Just like the team, there's nothing wrong with the team wanting to get a player at a bargain. You know, so it's going to be an interesting concept. Can you do it? Can you Can you keep all the guys you want and still go out there and add some pieces to the puzzle? The one part, again, that – Every year you have an opportunity to add pieces to the puzzle that are significant or through the draft. I mean, you have those draft picks, and that's fixed, essentially a fixed labor, mm-hmm. okay, that doesn't, it doesn't prohibit you. You can do whatever you want from a roster standpoint. You still have your draft picks, and those are very affordable. And when you hit on those, that's where teams significantly get better. You can't every year, like the Jaguars did this past year, go out and spend $323 million worth of contracts. It just doesn't work. It's not sustainable. You've got to draft well, and that's where the focus of this franchise really needs to be. Given the nature of the kind of decisions they're going to have to make with some of these guys, right, what to pay them, who to pay, uh, with even the the Evan Ingram and Taylor that we've mentioned here, has Walker Little, despite those back-to-back plays that were pretty ugly on Saturday, uh, but has Walker Little played well enough that you would consider – letting Taylor walk and Walker Little can be your right tackle or moving Cam Robinson at some point in this offseason and making Walker Little your full-time left tackle. I think, I think he, has he played well enough? I would feel confident that, look, if the numbers don't work with Juwan, if you guys can't come to an understanding, you feel like, okay, look, we tried and we had a number that we were kind of willing to go to, and mm-hmm. if all of a sudden it far surpasses that, you can't make – rash decisions. I mean, you know, the reality is Juwan had a phenomenal year. I mean, a, a phenomenal year for him. His pass protection was incredible. I mean, significant jump. And give the offensive line coach Phil Rauscher a ton of credit there. He really changed the angles, changed some of the techniques, and it made Juwan Taylor significantly better. You know, but Juwan also is lacking still in the run game. I want to see him be better in the running game because I think he can be a lot better. But you, there's always a number, I think, that you've got to go and, and put it on your board and say, hey, look, this is where we're willing to go, and if we, if we can't get it at that or less, then, look, we, we've got to be able to save money for other things. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a plan that will essentially tell you which path to go, whether we can, okay, there's path A, okay, and if we can't sign him, here's path B, and then you have other options, and that's something that you have to be able to have in place so that when you get to that situation, you don't make, oh, my God, we got to give them an extra $10 million because we got to keep them. Well, Walker Little, I think, you know, did a good job. The one thing about Walker, athletic, 
got significantly better when he played. And remember, this guy hasn't played a lot of football, you know, since going all the way back to college. Well, it was like three years ago almost is the last time he played significantly. And you actually watch this guy get better in front of your eyes every game that he played. And, yeah, he had one embarrassing play that Frank Clark caught him off guard and yeah. put him on his can. And, uh, and that never looks good when you're an offensive lineman. But uh, the reality is if you play the game long enough, you're going to have plays like that. And that's all part of the growth process. But I give him credit. He started to have a little bit of nasty. He started to gain confidence. And I like the way that he got better week in and week out when he actually played. All right. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk uh, more priorities for the Jaguars all season and how certain guys performed against the Kansas City Chiefs, including Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and others. Do you want to get in? 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or hit us up with your questions on Twitter on a Check the Tape Tuesday for Jeff Lagerman, this is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, check the tape Tuesday. Looking back on the Jags season-ending loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs. Jags do win the AFC South title. What will they do for an encore? We'll have to stay tuned to find out uh, as we get into it a little bit deeper here, Logs. I do want to get to the offensive side, but got a lot of good questions coming in on defense. Let me ask you one more on that side uh, from Andrew on Twitter. Uh, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, Andre Sisco, key young defenders we need to see improvement from. What is their homework assignment or what are their homework assignments for this offseason, start with Trayvon Walker. What are you What are you doing if you're Trayvon? Well, I, th- I think in the offseason, if you're going to be a pass rusher and affect the game at a high level, you got to be able to do that as a pass rusher. I, I think he does really good job against the run. He's got great hands. He's got heavy hands. Does a great job of violent departures and is excellent at closing to the ball. So his running game stuff continued just to improve and and gain more strength than what he already has. Where does he get those pass rush moves from? Does he get it by studying great pass rushers? Does he go to a pass rush camp? Does, is it the coaching staff that, you know, identifies one or two things they think he can be really good at? How, how do you get better there? You know, well, there's a couple different ways. You can go to those camps, okay, and, and learn from other guys because that's what those camps essentially are doing is you're learning from other people that do it as well. Or you can learn it from people that have done it in the past. You know, opportunities of working with guys that have been great pass rushers in the past. You know, I've seen guys that worked, you know, Charles Haley worked with guys with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, perfect example of that. You know, John Randall, bringing a John Randall in to work with a defensive tackle or defensive end. I mean, there's, there's ways to work with great players that have played the game in the past and also from your coach. And then also studying film of the pass rushers from around the, around the league and then having somebody help shape – Okay, what he can do. You know, Trayvon has a skill set that may not be the same as Josh Allen. You know, I, I, I've always thought that Trayvon needs to learn the move that we all saw Micah Parsons the use, hump? the hump. Mm-hmm. Because the hump is a power move where you're into the body. And that's something that I think Trayvon needs to learn. I think Trayvon also needs to learn because he does a lot of power rushing. He needs to learn how to lift the wrists and the elbows of the offensive tackle instead of just pushing against the body. Take away the bridge to that body. 
And so, I mean, there's ways that he can do that. Continuing to work with Bill Shuey, the coach that coaches the outside linebackers. He's a good coach. Work in the offseason and work specifically about these things. Try them out. You know, the part of the issue is, too, is that you can't work with the players, coaching staff and football team-wise, until like April. So I hope that between now and April, he tries other avenues of working with other people to improve his craft, whether that be getting film, because you can get film, mm-hmm. okay, get film of all the great pass rushers around the league. You know, you can get a sack reel of every sack in the National Football League and study what guys are doing to win so that you can maybe incorporate some of those into your game. You know, when, when I played, I would watch guys from around the league. But, I mean, I couldn't take what Reggie White did and apply sure. it to my but game. you could find a guy that was similar to you. Exactly. So that's what you want to try to do is you yeah. try to find somebody that, you know, has some similar skills as you, and then you try to incorporate some of their stuff. All right. What about uh, Muma and Lloyd? What do you – what's the homework assignment for those guys? They got to study offenses. They got to study the defense and know the defense in and out. And I think that was part of the reason for – and then that's – for any rookie linebacker, you know, the, the, the jump from college to pro to play in the linebacking position is, is drastic. You know, the playbook goes from 10 pages in college to 150 pages in the pros. And then you also have to understand all of every aspect of it. So you have to understand the defense and then you have to be able to understand the offense that's going to impact the plays that you're trying to operate. So there's a, an understanding and an experience that they need to go back and watch themselves and then continue to evaluate what they did and look at what they should have done. Study yourself and then study opponents, study offenses, study tendencies. And that's, that's one thing that's very hard for a young player is that you're so focused in on what the hell I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. that you're not focusing in on, I already know what I'm doing. And now I can really understand what they're trying to do. All right, so what about Cisco going into his third year? I I want to say this. I thought he had a very, very good year. I thought he took a big step up. You know, didn't play much his rookie year, hardly at all. Um, Had uh, some really negative comments made towards him from the previous head guy. And he bounced back and had, I thought, a tremendous year. He showed a physical nature to the game that I didn't think that uh, that was going to be a part of his game, but he impressed me in showing that he's physical. He makes good tackles. He doesn't miss tackles. I mean, the whole name of the position, safety, he does a good job from that aspect. Got great ball skills. You know, and Mike Caldwell earlier in the season said something about Cisco, and he said, you know, he needs to learn to play faster. And that goes to the exact same thing what we were just talking about there with, with the linebacker, and the game, knowing what you're doing and then – really concentrating on what they're doing because you're, what you're doing is second nature. It's just it's programmed into you. And Cisco started to play faster this year, and that was impressive. And, and I hope that they do some more creative things with him to get him closer to the line of scrimmage that he can be kind of that robber that I was talking about. They did it a little bit late. Yeah, but right? that's because yeah. he's got such great ball skills and he's got great anticipation. I think he's a guy that can do – can do some of that, but uh, but he had he had a really good year. And Luke Fortner, who we knew was going to be the center, basically when they got to camp, got to right? get stronger. Like the way they were using him, but what about his rookie? Got to get stronger. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's one thing I think that linemen I think really when they come into the league, there's not many guys that come in and you, and you go, okay, man, he's just strong and he's dominant. There's some, okay, there's some that come in and they play the game with great strength, and but that's 
an area that Fortner needs to get stronger. He's got the awareness. He's a smart guy. He does a great job of taking care of the center responsibilities, making the calls, and he's got to get a little bit more physical. So he needs to spend some time in the weight room, and I mean getting after it in a big way, getting right. after it, getting stronger. That's good stuff, though, on uh, all-season homework assignments for those guys. Uh, this one uh, from uh, Keelan on Twitter, it looks like. Uh, do you think maybe we should look into a kicker with a stronger leg? The play early in the game where Hasty dropped that five-yard pass, we punted instead of that 55-ish yard field goal. It would have been a 57-yard attempt, uh, I believe, for the record. Yeah, like, I think it was like 57, 58, I somewhere around there. I think they're right at the 39-yard. I got it here. They're at the uh, the 39-yard line, so add 18, right? Add 10 for the end zone and 8, so yeah. 57, whatever. Yeah. It was, it, you know, were you surprised they didn't – attempt to get points there that they were willing to punt it at that point in time or uh you know that was uh i guess right you know leading into that's when they pinned him at the two yard line and then Henny went on the drive uh, would you have tried to kick the field goal in that yeah that's that that's kind of tough you know because if you if you don't make that you're giving them great field position on the flip side of that and your kicker had been on the injury report you know, the week prior and you had been allowing your punter to, to handle some of the kickoffs, which means that, okay, there may be a leg strength issue here with your kicker down the stretch. So, I don't – I mean, I absolutely agree with the decision that they had. Uh, I think that that was the smart thing to do. Um, would you – what would you do a kicker? Would you I, prioritize I like, bringing Patterson back? Well, I think you always bring competition in. I think mm-hmm. that's always uh, something that you focus in on because at that kicker spot, as we saw with the Dallas Cowboys – Confidence and consistency can be uh, very difficult to hold on to. But I like Riley Patterson. I thought he did a tremendous job this year. He did, a, 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 I thought, a really good job throughout the course of the year. And this was a guy that was a relative unknown, you know, that you picked up at the last second and you were praying that he was going to be good mm-hmm. for you. And he did a great job. So uh, I want Yeah, overall, he's 30 or 35 on yeah, field goals. He missed job. one extra point. Yeah, so I mean, year. look, I like him. We want him to come back, work on his leg strength and consistency. And uh, now with a year under his belt, I think that helps tremendously, but you still bring in competition. All right, let's uh, flip it over to the offense here. Just uh, we got a few minutes on this side of the break. Uh, a general recap on how you feel Trevor played on Saturday. Well, let me, let me say this. I, I, just, I think all year long, I, I wanted to start with this. The coaching staff, I think, does an amazing job offensively of, of really doing a great job of scheme. You know, and I think I've said this to you guys before. I mean, week in and week out, some of the plays that you see, where the matchups that they get, it's it's awesome. And when you have a young quarterback that has a skill set like Trevor that can execute the offense, uh, I think it's going to be able to grow by leaps and bounds into next year because you're going to gain confidence allowing the quarterback to orchestrate the offense even more and give him flexibility to get you into better place. And that's I think is is tremendous. So, but in the game, I thought Trevor did a solid job. I thought he did a good job. Could he have uh, done a little bit better? I mean, yeah, maybe. But I also think that some of the guys around him could have been better. Uh, you know, catch the ball in a couple circumstances, and all of a sudden you might be looking at a different, different situation. Uh, the interception late in the ball game. You know, he had a pressure, which I don't know exactly why. You turn a guy loose right up the middle that was in Trevor's face. Trevor's got to do a better job of not just kind of throwing that ball up and hoping. Just, you know, either throw it away or eat it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and live to play another down. But uh, 
you know, he had a tremendous year. I mean, from that game that was in London that we were going, oh, my God, that was so bad. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he has a tremendous game after that. And the beginning was a little shaky. I think that was the Oakland game, right, that was after the Denver. And, uh, and then he turned it around. Right. Came back from 17 points down. And from then on, man, he was rocking and rolling. So uh, the future is bright with him and really excited for him. And I think the more weapons that you get – around him the better he's going to be and and you could tell that the leadership really was a, a natural progression this year the more success that he started to have the more confident you could see him in the leadership role and that that's how it works I mean you can't be a leader in the National Football League until you have success so when Trevor started having success you could really see him taking ownership of the offense and that was a real positive all right, we'll keep it on the offense when we return. If you want to get in with a question for Jeff Logman, uh, hit us up at 641-1010, or, of course, uh, you could pass us along through social media or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. With Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, and ET, I'm Mike Dempsey. You're listening to a Check the Tape Tuesday. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is serviced by famous automotive tire and quick lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, we continue along here with Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Logs, and ET here with you. Uh, Jeff, uh, on the offensive side of the ball here a little bit, uh, is, where's Evan Ingram rank in terms of your offseason priorities? He, he obviously wants to be back. Trevor wants him back. But there's obviously a financial component to all this. So uh, how big a priority is he? Uh, he's, uh, if not at the top of the list, he's pretty near the top. I mean, that was uh, an impressive year by him and made great strides. A lot more consistent than he had been in previous years as far as the drops go. And what impressed me the most about Evan is the willingness and the grit that he showed in blocking. And that, I thought, was kind of a weakness that he had in New York. And he embraced that role here and did a really good job with that. And uh, credit to him. So, yeah, I mean, you want to try to find a way to keep him. I think the the number for a tight end from a franchise tag standpoint is not particularly high compared to other positions. But you would like to not go down that route. You'd like to be able to distribute some of the cap hit into other years. So, uh, yeah, I think that's something that you want to make sure that your quarterback keeps some consistency with weapons, and that's a guy that I'd want to try to keep. Yeah, me too. I don't want to see um, them try to replace him with a rookie tight end. Like You have enough holes to fill. This is a guy that fit in great. I thought he was a great locker room fit, a great Hard fit for worker. the offense. Yeah. Right. And Mike, with a young quarterback, and, and I know you watch some of this stuff at camp, and Tony did as well, and when you've got a young developing quarterback, it's so critical to bring in guys that are about work because if you have divas, you know, okay, for lack of a better term, that don't like to practice, it's hard to get the repetitions needed for your young quarterback to get better. And you got to give credit to, to Balky and Doug Peterson for bringing in guys in free agency that had a work ethic about them that was impeccable because – Zay and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, and we already knew that about Marvin Jones Jr. We'd watched him for a couple of years. I mean, you're talking about four guys that have impeccable work ethics, and I think that that also trickles down to the rest of your roster when your top guys at those positions are showing that leadership and how they work 
and especially for a young quarterback, which was, I mean, so crucial to his development this year. Franchise number for the tight end next year is expected to be right around $11.3 million. And I agree with you. I don't think that's the route you want to go uh, with Ingram. Ultimately, what would you – two-year deal, three-year deal? Like, what kind of offer are you willing to make Ingram? And in what kind of price range? Like, three years, $24 million, Does that sound about right? Three years, $24 million? Yeah. I, I think the beginning conversation is probably two at about 22 Okay. I, I my my guess would be I mean because that's yeah just, I don't think you're getting him cheaper than you had him this year no you know after so he, I mean yeah in a perfect world if if it was three years twenty four million Tony signed me up gotcha. okay okay and and I want you as his agent okay if I'm the team <laughs> <laughs> well and it's somebody and there have been several questions about Ingram this morning so just pass it along in that fashion but somebody mentioned man how do we let T J Hawkinson get away. You look at it, and I get it. You look at some of the numbers TJ Hawkinson put up down the stretch. They were pummeling him with targets in a few games. Uh, He, with Minnesota, averaged not very much in terms of 8.7 yards per reception. So it was a lot of short area dump-off stuff. His overall numbers were not that much better than Evan Ingram. He's only got one year left on his deal, and you'd be in this position again. Do I give him a top-five tight end contract? And they had to give up a second- and third-round pick. Along with it. Now, they got a couple of fourths back in the deal, but you would not have a second-round pick this year. Um, You would have Hawkinson under contract for one more season. You wouldn't have a third-round pick the following year. Yeah. You know, so. Evan Ingram was the better route. Just just because you didn't have to give up anything for And and plus, at the time, Hawkinson, I think people were saying, why don't we add him as well? Well, you have Ingram here. There are games when the tight end's not even a big part of this game plan Regardless, now the second half of the season, it became more of a consistent thing. But there are still weeks when Evan Ingram's not a big part of what they're doing. I can't imagine if they had two tight ends that that's, oh, it'd be, all it'd of a sudden be crazy cool. Yeah, with a guy that that is more of an inline kind of blocker that still has great receiving skills. That all of a sudden you'd have an offense that would put a you know, defensive coordinators in a tizzy. All right, so if you re-sign Evan Ingram, then, is it a priority to find one of those guys to add to this offense? Well, I mean, it would be great, but uh, I really want to see a top-end, like, speed-wide receiver added to this roster. I think Marvin Jones Jr., I think time might be up here. Do you think Calvin Ridley can be that guy, or is I, he more? I, I hope. I mean, but I mean, look, you can never have too many fast guys. Understand? So if you can, you we know, also need pass rush, as we yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about. But I'm not saying you got to use a high pick on a guy like that, but I mean, there's guys that you can find that just are flat out burners that you might be able to find in mid rounds or late rounds. Well, let's start finding them <laughs> then. Yeah, but uh, you know the the other area that what are you going to do with Manhurts? I mean, a guy that you got in free agency a couple years ago and does a tremendous job blocking, which you know, can't – I mean, I know it's not sexy, but the reality is is that he might be one of the top three best blocking tight ends in the league, mm-hmm. and his contract is up. You know, so can you find a way to keep him as well? I mean, he's also part of that conversation. Well, you're going to have to fill out the tight end room because Luke Farrell's the only one currently under contract. Correct. Right? I mean, and, Dan and, and by the way, I really like too. him. He, I think he does a really good job in the role that he's asked to do. Good, does good on special teams, and he's one of those guys that he's a he's a good receiver and he does a good job blocking. I think he's a good overall tight end. I thought he was. I think he, put it put it this way, he's a very good draft pick. Very good draft pick. And if you can hit on guys like that, I mean, that's fantastic. Right, but even if you bring back Ingram, you got Ingram and Farrell, you're going to need 
a man hurts somebody in that kind of role. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have at least four in the tight end room. Well, and it's going to be hard to find a guy in the draft that's going to be able to block like man hurts. So, yeah. so you, you, you know, hope to think that, you know, that Chris likes it here. You know, you get him on a fair deal and you had to pay for him a little bit, you know, in free agency and maybe you can get him on a manageable contract. If you're sitting there, though, I'm not asking you about a specific player, um, but if you're sitting at 24 and you've equal grades on all the positions – what what is your top three positions that you feel like you want to address the most? Defensive tackle and corner. And those def- are okay. Those are my top two. I don't. I mean, so edge rush not necessarily. Well, I'd like to find one too. I mean, if I had to say th- three positions, that would but be it. Your top two are defensive tackle, defensive and tackle and corner. Um, you you got to find some guys that can cover. I mean, right now, I mean, you've got you've got Tyson Campbell, and I think Darius Williams is average at best. So, now I agree with you, you need more cornerback help, but when you put uh, defensive tackle at the top of the list, you're talking about like a penetrating type guy? Well, I, I don't put necessarily at the top of the list. I, I, I kind of put those equal. You know, okay. that okay, whichever guy that comes to you, you know, that's the what best. But I'm saying, if, it, if, it's, if your grade is the same on all these positions, yeah. and who, who, Jeff, do you want the defensive tackle or do you want the corner? Corner. Okay, so corner be your top yeah. guy. So, but either way, defensive tackle is right there. Near the top of the list. Yeah. What what kind of year did Foley Fatakasi have? Uh, not the year you were expecting. Is he? Uh, should he feel safe? Should his roster spot feel well, secure? I, I mean, I don't know what I don't know the the situation of his contract. Tell you in um, a second. But I, I will say that you know he dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and that was part of the reason why that you know you don't feel satisfied with the year that he had. You know, he had some spurts early on that he was good, and then he got hurt, and then he didn't play great for a while, and then and then he played well in a couple spurts. I mean, so there were flashes that you saw that he played at the level that you wanted him to play at, but he had a tough year injury-wise. And, I, you know, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but the reality is is that you got to be able to be healthy to have a productive year at the expectation that are set with your contract, and – I don't think he met the expectations of the contract, but very rarely do guys do that in free agency. But the injuries, I thought, really hampered him this year. Yeah, you uh, he's guaranteed $8.5 million this year. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, going you're not going to pay him $8.5 million to go no, away. Another guy that you've got to start thinking about uh, extending is Devon Hamilton. You know, Devon Hamilton's a guy who was your best interior player this year. Him and Roy Robertson Harrison, but Devon Hamilton was consistent throughout. Roy started out like gangbusters, and then he hit kind of a lull, and then towards the end well. he was really good yeah. at the end. And so, uh, you know, consistency you've got to get. You know, but here here's the thing you know, with Devon Hamilton, Roy Robertson Harrison, Fadakasi, how much production are you getting as pass rushers? You're just not getting a lot out of that. So I mean, you, that's why when when I say defensive tackle, you got to find somebody that can affect the passing game from that defensive tackle spot in the future because that's uh, that's where this game is at. You know, it's a three wide receiver game now. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris, I think you you could save a decent amount um, in terms of cap space if you were to move on from him. I think it's might be like eight million bucks close to that. Could you see that happening just Maybe. before the economics of it, or is he a guy that? You know, I, I know you don't want to weaken that position, but yeah, again, you got to find money somewhere, right, right to make right. all these other things happen and maybe replace his production at say half the cost, or, or see if you can restructure. 
You know, yeah, that's right. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, too, with some of these guys like Cam Robinson and Brandon Sheriff, who have a big number. You can restructure that deal, extend it out a little bit. You can play that game and push a few dollars into the future that at least help you, and, and which might not be a bad idea, Jeff. I mean, they won the AFC South. Trevor Lawrence is still on his rookie deal. Now seems to be the time to push the the boundaries on the salary cap, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the great thing about having a rookie contract. You know, Should the Jags – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, 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 focus in on what you're talking about here. Should the Jags treat this offseason as let's push the chips and we think we can be a championship team in 2023? I'm not a big fan of ever doing that because I, I, I think the one thing that you always have to be doing as a football team is you always have to be evolving. And you always have to continue to try to get better. You don't ever – I think when, if you ever get stuck with the belief that we, the only way that we can win next year is by keeping everybody. Well, look, there's a, re, there's a way to replace productivity without keeping everybody. You know, so it's not like, okay, let's, let's say we got to move on from Big Roy. Okay, we're talking about uh-huh. him. Love him. Okay, and love is well, how tough he is. Love is leadership. And if people haven't seen the sounds of the game – from the Chargers game, I would recommend you go to YouTube and go back and watch it. Oh, yeah. I, his, his display of leadership great. was tremendous. Yeah. Okay. But let's say that from a number standpoint, you know, because, I mean, you, you kind of go back to the analytics of contracts and you look at productivity and you look at what it costs you to get that productivity. Can you get the productivity that you've been getting from Roy at maybe a lesser number somewhere else? Mm-hmm. You might be able to. So, But you can't go into the situation fearful Oh my God! We've got to keep them, and we got to overpay them just so that we can keep them. Well, I'm not suggesting. I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of like it, pushing dollars out to future years on like lowering the cap number for a Brandon Sheriff, right? And knowing that maybe two or three years down the road, you're not going to love the cap impact, but for right now, it enables you to be more aggressive and maybe add another piece that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. I'm saying with Trevor on the deal he's on right now, is this the time to make those kind of moves? Well, the problem is is that if you're doing that and you're pushing it out towards the future, you're mm-hmm. pushing it out towards the years that you need to have Trevor with a new contract. So you have to be careful. So it, it's better to keep that money in the current years in the near future as opposed to pushing it out into the distance because in the distance is where Trevor's new contract has to exist. I get you. I just, I, you know, you, you could, I feel like you can find yourself at that point where you're like, you're doing that, and that makes sense what you're saying. But at the same time, you're like, oh, we need a couple pieces. Like, we're not there. We're, we can be a playoff team, but can we be a championship team? It's, it's an enticing thing when you feel like you're getting closer. You know, yeah, that, that's, you know when you look at the teams that, have, that are in the playoffs right now, uh, the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the AFC, just focusing on the, on the AFC. I mean, these are two teams that have drafted really well and have not ever felt that, oh, my gosh, we have to keep these guys in order to make a run. Kansas City's offensive line is a perfect example of that a couple of years ago. They didn't go into the offseason thinking, we got to bring everybody back mm-hmm. because it's the only way we can win. They completely rebuilt their offensive line in an offseason, and it worked. I mean, so you can't be fearful of we can't win or sit there and say we can't win unless we keep all these guys. But there's other guys that you can also bring in that you can win with as long as you have your core players. And that's the critical part. you got to identify who the core is and make sure you bring them back. Is Roy Robertson Harris a core player? Love him. 
Okay, love his leadership, but does he give you the productivity, high-level productivity of a defensive tackle in this league that you expect? And the Bengals are going to be spenders this offseason. they got to get Burrow a yeah. new contract. Yeah, I mean, they got like $44 million in cap space, and that's before whatever new space rolls into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here well, in Cincinnati has historically been the – well, them and the Chargers, one of the cheapest organizations in the National Football League. No doubt. And they, okay, <laughs> need to take advantage of the situation that they're in because their quarterback is unbelievable. By the way – are we not in maybe the greatest quarterback era that we've seen in the National Football League in years? I mean, going back to the Elway, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, um, Joe Montana, Troy Aikman era. I mean, this AFC, the, the, the collection of young quarterbacks in the AFC might be the most incredible that we've ever seen in one conference. It's going to be amazing yeah. these next few years and highly competitive. And, and so you better make sure that you're managing your situation really good because those other quarterbacks are really freaking good too. Well, and it's pretty likely with that many good ones all playing at the same time, someone's going to be Phillip Rivers. And at the end of the day, they're not going to have a ring, despite how good they were. That's right. Like at the top five in the league at that position for a decade, Phillip Rivers was. But he's got no chip. Nothing. You know? No, he's got nothing. So, I mean, that's. You better do a good job of managing everything on your roster because there are some other teams in the AFC that got great quarterbacks too. Yeah, I had to ask you how many years of suck would you put up with for a championship. We've already done that on the front end, though, man. Enough already. Let's bring us that championship. Whatever that number now. is, we've surpassed it. We've, we, we've yeah. done more than paid our dues on that front. All right, six four one ten ten. if you want to jump in. Tony will take you around the league when we come back as well. More with Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lockham in Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, let's get into some of your calls with Jeff Lockham on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Tony will take you around the league coming up in a moment or two. Uh, 641 will get you on board. Let's go to Chuck on the north side to lead things off here on Jaguars Today. What's up, Chuck? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, something, Jeff, that you know, obviously played a lot of zone coverage against the Chiefs, and they appear to, like, flash guys in front of Kelsey and this eye discipline, as you've always referred to, you know, having that eye discipline. And it, it just seems like they do just a fantastic job of flashing guys that may take away that eye discipline for just the, that split second <laughs> Kelsey gets his doggone butt open every time. Oh, he's a great player. I mean, that's you know, you, you, great players make plays, and you know the the Jaguars did a, a a blend of zone and man, and I would say that Kelsey probably caught, and I'd have to go back and look at it, but just kind of offhand, the, the zone was more harmful to the Jaguars with Kelsey than the man, you know. So uh, look, he's a great player, and you got to do better than that, and uh, and I will say that. Again, Rayshon did a good job in man. All right, let's uh, get – and by the way, if you go back and listen on demand, we spent the first 15 minutes of the show talking about the Jaguars yeah. defending Travis Kelsey or not. 
defending Travis Kelsey, as the case may be. Uh, Michael on the north side is next up here on Jaguars today. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Hey, I just had a quick question. It wasn't taped so much, but um, y'all were talking free agents earlier, and it ties in with that. Um, there's a lot of talk, obviously, Evan Ingram's the priority, in my opinion, but uh, and people talk about Key and Taylor. Um, I believe we picked up Josh Allen's fifth-year option, and um, obviously Trevor's money's going to be coming. I think he's eligible after next year. What do you all think with the Josh Allen situation? Do you see them trying to do a deal with him this offseason or kind of play it out on the fifth-year option and just kind of see? I'm just trying to get your guys' opinion. Thanks. Well, it all depends on the numbers. You know, I mean, you go you go to, to Josh and his camp and you say, look, you know, let's talk about long-term deals. You know, and if you can't work something out, then – But if he wants to break the bank, if he wants to be a top-five paid guy, see you later. You know, yeah, I mean, you got to we'll enjoy your fifth year. Yeah, I mean, you got to you got to be smart about it. So it's it's look, Josh Allen, Evan Ingram, Jawan Taylor. I mean, these are guys that you'd like to keep, uh, but it it's got to make sense. You know, right. here, here's just one thing, real quick. The great thing about some of these contract things that we're talking about is that this team is now a desirable place to be for some of these guys that we're talking about. They've got a taste of success with a really good coach, and they know that there's a really good quarterback here. Okay, that's part of the sale, okay, part of the sale of staying here. And that should help you when it comes to talking contracts with some of these guys because they believe in the coach and they believe in the quarterback. And I'm not saying you're going to get them on the complete cheap. Right. But at least it's going to help you when, when right. it starts getting Right, there could be a little close. bit of a de- – like I could see Evan Ingram taking a little less than he might get somewhere else because he loves the fit. You know, because last year, players were dying to get the hell out of here. Sure. You know, after last year with their coach. For a number of years, Yeah, it's been the case. Uh, all right, let's let Tony take you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said yesterday that offensive lineman Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa, who both missed their divisional round matchup against Buffalo, are improving and they will continue to be evaluated through the week for their potential availability in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, when asked about Patrick Mahomes' high ankle sprain and availability this week for the conference title game, said yesterday, quote, he's worked hard in the treatment and is doing okay. He, speaking of Mahomes, mentioned it to you, the media, that he is going to play. That's his mindset, and then we'll just take it day by day and see how he does, end quote. San Francisco running backs Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, along with defensive lineman Charles Amenahu, all picked up injuries during their win over Dallas. Head coach Kyle Shanahan said yesterday that all three are considered day-to-day, but his expectation is that all three will be able to play in the NFC Championship game against Philadelphia. Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen, who has been playing through an elbow injury sustained in Week 9, did not miss a game because of it, said yesterday that the hope is that rest and recovery will be enough that surgery can be avoided. Buffalo defensive tackle Jordan Phillips said after the game that he was playing through a torn rotator cuff and will get surgery to repair the injury. He is expected to be a full go for training camp for the Bills. And Bill O'Brien is returning to the New England Patriots as their offensive coordinator, O'Brien, Previously was with the Pats as their OC from 2009 to 2011 and has spent the last two seasons as the offensive coordinator for the Alabama Crimson Tide. All right, thank you, Tony. Uh, Back to the lines we go with Jeff Logman on Check the Tape Tuesday. Uh, Dominic in Arlington is next on Jaguars today. What's up, Dom? Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate um, um, your show and and all the Check the Tape, um, Jeff. Thank you for doing that, guys. Um, 
just a couple of real quick questions. Um, with the Jags um, run near the end of the year and, you know, getting to the playoffs and having the, um, the playoff games that they did, that just should go boast big for next season, um, you know, that experience, you know, to, to get there and, and, and improve upon that. And then with a quarterback like Trevor um, in the loop now, um, do you think we can also bring in some um, bigger and, and, and better um, free agents this year? I'll take my call for you. Thanks, guys. Well, just like I think Trevor and Doug make a big difference for keeping guys, I think it also makes a big difference for attracting guys. If uh, the money is equal, you've got a great situation in Jacksonville because there's confidence and a belief that it's headed in the right direction. So money being equal, guys are going to choose to come here because you got a coach, because you got a quarterback, because you've got a, a great state tax situation for their contract. Does you know, the new facility do here. anything for them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're going to come here and free agency and visit and take a look. And a lot of guys, time, you know, and, and these are guys that where things are competitive and the money is equal. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You got to have the money to offer. At too. the beginning of the free agents period, I mean, that's stuff. I mean, the contracts are done basically before anybody's even taken a visit. You know, so I mean, it's in that middle tier and and bottom tier of free agency where things like that are going to make a big difference, you know, and, and, and I look, uh, Doug Peterson's going to make a big difference. And, and I said this to Doug after the game, I told him, I just, I thanked him for what he was able to reinstill with the Jaguars. You know, he is my team and, you know, near and dear to my heart, obviously. And he brought this team back from what was a bad situation and reinstilled the confidence and the belief in the franchise. And he did a tremendous job of coaching this year. And I think he's a great football coach. And I point to one thing that's this past season that just tells me how great of a coach he is, is that when you hit that stretch after you started out 2-1 and one and you had five-game losing streak, how close were every one of those games? They were all one-possession mm-hmm. games. I mean, every game this team fought and clawed, Till the bit till the very end, and there were other teams that wouldn't have done that, and I think that speaks volumes about Doug as a coach and his staff, and they were able to bounce back through that tough period with some winning, and that was awesome. And I and I just again I, I can't say enough about the job that he, that he did, that his staff did, and developing this roster and developing a belief that this team can win because that's hard to establish after you've been the worst team in football for two years. All right, let's get one more in here with logs for the break. Uh, Terrence in Conyers, Georgia is up next. Hello, Terrence. Michael D. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Legend. Hi, Terrence. Hey, hey how you doing? Hey, uh, yeah, I wanted to say I had two points real quick. Uh, well, I don't believe in Josh Allen getting a second contract. I just, I just, I'm, I'm not feeling that. Okay. But I think now we may have to, with Trevor Lawrence, I think it's going to be more pressure. And I mean, I know you accept that. I think to circumvent the the cap, the the quarterback. We had a franchise quarterback. That's what gives you the opportunity to circumvent the cap. So I don't. I think the better he gets, he's going to have to play with less talent because his contract. He's getting ready to get paid. So I think we're going to have to. Not necessarily look for top free agents. That's you know. Uh, I think we're gonna have to start looking to get guys that are lower around that really has the that really wants to make it and do something. You know. Uh, and see, Terrence, and I, I'm just life. gonna stop you right there just for a second because you, you said something that I don't believe in. 
You said okay. that because if Trevor's a franchise quarterback, he's going to have to play with lesser talent. Right. Why? If you draft well, why do you, does he have to play with lesser talent? Again, I'm well, going to go back to the statement. Is that well, I think if, it's like a case if in you Kansas draft City, well, right? You got Patrick you Mahomes. Tyree Kill prices himself. Like you decide that it's not worth paying him. 20-something million dollars. You mm-hmm. can't, Marquez, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster can't hold a candle to Tyree no, Kill talent-wise. No, 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 so but, he but, is but playing with lesser talent. They could have kept Tyree Kill. They could have chose to keep him. They chose not to to acquire the draft picks. They felt right. confident uh, right. you, that they could do better with those picks. Exactly, but you that's the thing, right. You. Uh, but I don't think any of those picks that they spent have – the impact of Tyreek Hill. Oh, no, not yet. Right, and so that's it's crapshoot, and you got to make those kind of decisions where you give up talented players Correct. because you can't afford them in the hopes that you can replace them. But but I, I still believe, Mike, and, and I understand what you're saying because Tyreek is a, is a unique set of circumstances, but if you draft well, you can still play with great talent. You don't have to accept lesser talent just because you have a franchise quarterback. No, but I think there are instances like, again, with Tennessee, A.J. Brown. Would you rather have A.J. Brown or the draft picks they gave up to get him if you had your choice? Rather have A.J. Brown because he's a freaking game-breaker. No doubt. And, and, but he got too expensive for him. Uh, well, in their minds. Right. They could have kept him, though. But Maybe they could have kept him, but at the expense of what other players? I mean, that's, that's maybe. It's constantly, I think, a shuffling game. Well, I do agree with Terrence on the point that as, as you, you eat up a bigger chunk. Now, the salary cap's going to go up, too, right? So, you know, $40 million today on a salary cap compared to two years from now, it's not going to have the same percentage increase. But I think the, when you look at, at Kansas City, Jeff, if you say what? If they have which players that they're going to be contenders? If they have Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, are they going to be a contender? Yes. Right. So, the better the quarterback becomes, the less you need to have – a team of all-stars around him, I think the feeling is. Because, yeah, Kelsey, okay, I, I got to have my stud pass catcher. I've got my stud pass rusher, the disruptor on the defensive line. And I got mm-hmm. Mahomes. Right. We're going to contend. If you got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and I don't even know if you need to name another one in Cincinnati. If you got that combo, do you think that team's going to be a contender for a while? Yeah, it should be. Probably, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that's that's part of Their defense what, really good, by the way. They are. But, like, is there one guy that you say you have to keep? On that on, defense. On their de- they, don't have, they don't have a Chris Jones. Right. So, yeah. I, I'm just my, – my point being that as the quarterback gets better, he can carry more of the weight oh, of no the doubt. roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. I understand what you're saying, and, and, I, and I just wanted to put that out there just because you don't have – that's the, the – again, the lifeblood of any franchise is the draft. Sure. And if you draft well, you can replace talent that you may be losing. I mean, look at, at what Pittsburgh and what Baltimore have been able to do – with the sustained success that they've had. And that's because they've been drafting year in and year out very well. And so this team needs to get to the point where they're drafting year in and year out at a high level to continue to supply the talent for this team. I even though look at those teams now, and they are consistently, you know, break even or better, you know, every year or make the playoffs, whatever. But I don't feel like either one is close to a championship caliber. They don't have a quarterback. Well, that's the thing, <laughs> yeah. right? So you yeah. can be that consistent team and put yourself in the dance year after year after year and not get, you know, you're still stuck on the wall at the end yeah, of the and, night. And, and, and no, I mean, look, they had Ben Roethlisberger and he was tremendous. I mean, he was you know, oh, a no Hall of Fame guy and they were obviously at a high level when they had him. 
and can Lamar Jackson carry Baltimore to that level? That's I mean, the question. It remains to be seen yet. All right, uh, we'll take our final time out with Jeff. Come back with a few last thoughts on a check the tape Tuesday six four one ten ten. Still time if you want to get in. This is Jaguars today on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick lube servicing every customer like they're famous on ten ten XL. All right, a final few minutes here on this Check to Tape Tuesday. Uh, just uh, one quick note, get some replies sometimes on social media, on the text line, like, hey, why don't you ask this question, whatever. A lot of times it's because we've already addressed it in the show. We're not going to go back over it. You're always welcome. We get it. Not everybody can tune in for the entire two hours. You can go back and listen on demand. We try to have Jeff answer certainly the most frequent questions that we get, the ones that get asked the most and uh, the ones we think are the most pressing, and we have a limited amount of time to get them all in. So with that in mind, I've got a specific one for you today, uh, Jeff, for our 1010 Take. 1010. 1010 Take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 1010 Take, brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, we like to put the 1010 Take on Tuesday and Jeff Logman's lap. So, uh, Logs, let's talk about the general manager this time last year, the Clown movement was in full effect. We got to get rid of uh, Trent Balky. We got at least got to get Rick Spielman in here above him. Uh, that may have come in a later stage, actually. By the way, next Thursday will be the one year anniversary of Doug Peterson being hired. Um, is it a, a national catastrophe for all these teams that have had openings since the end of the season and none of them have been filled to this point in time? You know what I mean? Like it, it would see that was such a narrative last year. Oh my gosh, this this is a bungled coaching hiring and it ended up you, you ended up with the best guy you could have possibly had the in, best guy in the, the whole cycle right uh i went back and missed and, out on interviewing nate hackett because they were dragging their feet well, i went back and looked at one of our esteemed <laughs> colleagues um top 10 rankings of the new coaching hires last year uh-huh. i'm not gonna name bucky brooks by name but oh. might have had doug at number eight on his oh. list number eight <laughs> Out of all the new hires last year, Bach. a bit of a miss. Logs, uh, what kind of job did Trent Balky do in 2022? Uh, I think he did did a very good job. If you look at uh, what he was able to accomplish in free agency to bring in, like we talked earlier about guys that had a work ethic that could perform, uh, I mean, offensively from Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, all these guys had career years, and they were all brought in in free agency. So from that standpoint – uh, an outstanding job. You know, defensively, there are a few misses. Fadakasi still kind of got to get back and be healthy. The draft, uh, Trayvon, you know, three and a half sacks. You want to see more out of that. Devin Lloyd at one point was arguably the defensive rookie of the year c- candidate, but then kind of fell off. And now you're wondering what kind of role is he going to have for this defense going forward. Uh, Muma, I thought, was a solid pick, but again, you know, he's a guy that's you know starter in and out of the lineup. Fortner, I think, was a good pick. So, I mean, overall, I'd say probably B plus. You know, and and almost want to say, you know, move it to an A just from the standpoint of at the end of the day, it's a bottom line business. And this football team went from worst to first in the AFC South and won a, a division title. Ended up getting in the playoffs. So, I mean, but I mean, if you're looking at it long term, I think B plus somewhere in that range. Yeah, I'd give him a B. I, I couldn't go to the B plus. I, I got to get more out of those first round picks, you know. And that, as you talked about, yeah, that's I'm the lifeblood you. of 
replenishing no your doubt. talent at an affordable rate. Yeah, the one thing that, you, and you know this, Mike, is that it's hard to evaluate the draft after one year. Understood. You know, it's it's this is a process that where you, okay, after three years, you can get a pretty good idea of where you're at. Did you Did you do good or did you not do good? And so it's early to put a final grade on any draft after one year. You know, I think you go back now and you look at the draft from the previous year and you start to get a little bit more evidence of where that draft fell. And obviously with Trevor, that's going to make that draft an A-plus just because you feel like he's a franchise quarterback. Sure. Cisco's been a very good player. Tyson Campbell, really good player. Okay. Walker uh, Little. Walker Little, you Travis feel like ETN. he can be a starting yeah. tackle. ETN. So, I mean, so no, if I'm you not look knocking at, it. I, yeah, I if hear you look you. at that draft from uh, you know bulky standpoint, you'd say, wow. Well, was that a bulky draft? Was that an urban draft? That's a great question. You know? Or I was mean, it kind of a consensus? I mean, I don't know the answer to that. Right. But I will say that was a really good draft. And and I think Urban leaned on Trent Balky that year in a lot of respects because as we know, uh, the head coach didn't quite seem to know as much as he thought. Roy Roberts. All right. Yeah, he didn't even know his own player's name. James, so did he the know running back. Who in the hell they should have drafted? <laughs> what about James, the running back, man? Can we bring him back? All right. Uh, Logs, uh, a little vacation time in the offing for yeah, you? Yeah, coming up. But, uh, you know, before the vacation time, we've got a special day tomorrow because normally our Jaguars All Access, which our last show is this week, is on Thursday nights. Well, this week it is going to be tomorrow night on Wednesday. At 7 o'clock, it's going to be at Strings, as it has been all year, and our very special guest will be Doug Peterson himself. All right. That'll be awesome. And then we don't have happy hour this week. We're going to take a few weeks off, and uh, and then me and the wife are going to have a little R&R time. And, and by the way, when when is the live broadcast of Leon Searcy getting a tattoo that i got to make sure I tune uh, I in? I hear that's on Thursday. Thursday. Yes, okay, two so days I can, from now. Since I don't have radio, I can tune in and watch Searcy get a Jaguar tattoo. <laughs> That's the, that is the rumor. Looking All right. forward to that. Logs, enjoy some downtime. Uh, we'll, we'll try to catch back up the around the NFL draft. You guys going to the Super Bowl? Uh, not this not. year, no. no. Okay. We're going. We're waiting until next year when the Jags are in it. There you go. That's our plan anyway. <laughs> Where is next year's Super Bowl? I don't know. I have no idea. Kansas City. Next year's Super Bowl? <laughs> no. That's where the draft is this oh, year. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. where it is. Uh, it's in New, New Orleans. That's where it's Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an easy. That's a... That's a drive mm-hmm. over there in New Orleans. Uh, Logs, appreciate all the Thank service this year. Enjoyed it. Thanks for all the many Check the Tape Tuesdays and look forward to rekindling those uh, in Absolutely. the not-too-distant future. All right, uh, let's say hello to Big Surf and Company. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Big Surf, what's the story here? What's going on, baby? Uh... Tattoo Thursday? Tattoo Thursday. Uh, live show at the <clears throat> Tattoo Parlor or here? I, I believe so. It's, uh, I think Joe Kyle was setting up everything. Okay. Uh, with one of his buddies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I made, I made uh, you know, early in the season. We were two and one. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. And I said, you know what? The Jaguars make the playoffs. So I'll get a Jaguars. You're a man of your word. I am. I did that once in 2017, <laughs> but it was if the Jags win the Super Bowl. No. I would get a Jaguars tattoo, and then, you know, they came close to getting there, but yeah. didn't quite get all the way, you know. So, uh, well, I've now, never been tatted up, so maybe I should have said the same thing. So you're ne- you've never had a tattoo never before? Had a tattoo. Neither have I, and that's why ah. I was like, you know, yeah. 
Now we know what motorcycle club I'm you're not tatted. In. Yeah. No, I'm not tatted. He's untatted. <laughs> um, untatted. you got to be careful with Joe. Now, this may be a reputable tattoo guy or maybe just a guy Joe knows who yeah. claims he can do tattoos. Well, Joe knows a lot of people. I'm just saying. He might be a backyard tattoo artist for all you well, know. Well, I've seen the place. It, right. it, looks, uh, it looks clean. All right. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm talking about more of the qu- – I wasn't thinking about infection. I was thinking more about the quality of the artwork. Oh, yeah. Well, I've already seen the artwork. I already know what's going to go on. Looks good. Looks good. You, what are you getting, like the Jaguar head logo? Or? Well, yeah, I'm getting the Jaguar head logo. I'm, I might just stop there because the other thing's got the claw and my number. I'm a little too old for all that. Uh-huh. I'm just going to get the head. <laughs> the head logo. I got gotcha. you. Any thought to go old school with, like, the, the leaping Jaguar logo to represent – you know, you're I, 90s I think, era. I think you should get some of the Jaguar spots all in the background. Just, just so you come, look head. like a Jaguar. So you got almost like the skin of a Jaguar. I like that. It's not bad. You know, I like that. It might be painful, Just because though. if you do yeah. just the head alone, yeah. it's kind of lonely. You know, you got to give it a backdrop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to be here all day with this damn thing. No, I understand. I want to be 45 minutes and done. It's, Maybe. A, it's a pleasant pain, Leon. Is Trust it a pleasant me, pain? You'll love it. As I see your right arm is tatted. All around. How long did that take? Uh, this was multiple days. Multiple days? Yeah, well, I mean, different, oh, a couple different sessions. Yeah, it's like, that's it. Whatever stage it's at, Tony, it's going to be like a, a pen and ink outline of a Jaguar head, whatever the case may be. He's just going to write it on every day? Yeah, yeah I got Just a little, little bit, right? Um, what are you guys getting into today? Uh, well, of course, Jags. We're going we'll to do something this week where Jags from the past talk about Jags moving forward. So we got Aaron Beasley coming on today. All right, sounds good, man. Have a good show. Appreciate it. We'll be listening. Big Sir saying company coming your way tomorrow. Uh, we hope that Donovan Darius join us. Johnny O will be here as well. Uh, we'll hear, you know, tomorrow we'll kind of recap what uh, the wrap-up this week has been like, Tony, with Doug Peterson speaking yesterday. Trent Balky just got done speaking this morning, so we'll have some of that for you throughout the afternoon here on 1010XL, but we'll focus in on that a little bit tomorrow and start to turn our eye towards uh, what the Jags need to do to build on this 2022 season going forward. That'll do it for us. Uh, thanks to Jeff Logman for this Check the Tape Tuesday and all of them throughout the season. For Tony Smith, for ET, I'm Mike Dempsey. We'll talk to you again tomorrow right here from 10 to noon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yo, Jacksonville. Who want to eat a W? 1010XL.